Hello and welcome. You're listening to This Is Some Scene. I am James Ippoliti, and I am also the host of the Real Demons of Pop Culture podcast, and many more podcasts soon to come. This Is Some Scene was a podcast I produced back in the mid-2000s to about 2009. Season one of This Is Some Scene is going to be those lost interviews. Interviews with people like Tommy Wiseau, Joe Dante, Amber Benson, Crispin Glover, so many more at the dawn of podcasting. I had a group of people that had a lot of fun doing these podcasts. Now, the quality is not as great as it could be because it was at the beginning of podcasting where it was very hard. It also was recorded live. Most of the calls were live, as you will see. And so the quality is not to the standards of 2023, but they are pretty good for 2008, 2009, etc. You may hear the voices of Andrea. You may hear the voices of Eric Feasterville, also known as Chris Blake Sasser. So grab your favorite beverage, sit back, and enjoy these interviews from the beginning of the podcasting universe. In season two, we will be introducing new interviews to continue the legacy of This Is Some Scene. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Live from Philadelphia, this is some scene for Monday, July 13, 2009. Welcome to the show. I am the walrus. Coo-coo-ga-choo. Is that scripted, (laughs) for God's sakes? (laughs) actually written there because strike it it's it's oh, awful lord well let, let, let's hope uh this works let's hope yeah, well you do your great system you got going hello hi greg yeah hi this is james from the radio show this is some scene how are you good thanks for uh coming in and uh talking with us we got some fun questions for you yeah no problem at all so Actually, I just wanted to call you up and see if you could hook me up with Megan Fox. Ah, very funny. You and about 5,000 other people. <laughs> <laughs> and that would only be today. <laughs> it's been, uh, yeah, it's with, been a slow day. Ma- you know, Megan, usually I get about, you know, six or 7,000 a day. So today's a little slow. <laughs> wow. So, well, with me is uh, Chris Hi. and also Andrea. Hi, guys. Hey, hey. Hi, Greg. So um, we're all huge Jaws fans, by the way, and I think all three of us met you at Jaws Fest. I know well, I did. Oh yes, three. indeed. Well, I got a, I have, I have a great Jaws story. Good. Let's hear it. So, all right. Well, I, you know, I mean, we just, uh, we just wrapped on the uh, on the 3D remake of Piranha. Nice. Okay. Literally about uh, about two weeks ago, and Richard Dreyfuss has a cameo in the movie. That's fantastic. So I literally, yeah. I, I literally hung out on set with Richard Dreyfuss for an entire day, uh, talking Jaws stories and and uh, just uh, completely freaking out that I was standing three feet away from Matt Hooper. That's pretty amazing. Now did yeah. he tell you the same story about the shark not working? Absolutely amazing. 
that's pretty cool. So does he have? He just has a uh, small role in the uh, in this Piranha remake. He he ha- he has a small cameo, but you know part of the fun about it. Alex Aja, who directs the movie, uh-huh. I worked on uh, Hills Have Eyes and Mirrors with him. So they were really excited about getting a good a good uh, actor for this one particular cameo. So at the beginning of prep, they were sending me all these emails about all these actors that they wanted, and at the bottom of one of the lists, it said Richard Dreyfuss. And I thought, oh, wow, how cool would it be to have Richard Dreyfuss in, in, sure. in a remake of basically a ripoff of Jaws to begin with right. by Joe Dante. Right. So lo and behold, I was having dinner with a friend of mine that night, and he said, oh, what are you working on? I said, Piranha. And, and uh, he said, oh, that's really funny because I represent Richard Dreyfuss now. <laughs> that's why. I said, oh, my God, I just saw his name on a, on a memo today. How weird is that? He said, oh, yeah, what, what are the dates again? And I, in my head I said, I think it's like June 22nd or 23rd. And he's sitting there thinking for a minute. He said, you know, you should, you should tell them to call us again because I might actually be able to make the dates work out. So literally I got home and I emailed Alex Aj and I said, go back to Dreyfus's people right away because I was just talking about So you're about the guy who got Dreyfus. <clears throat> I, so I kind of have a little, you know, I'll pat myself on the back a tiny bit for that only because, I was telling, I had lunch with, uh, no, I'm not trying to drop names, I'm just sort of like, okay. you know, Fair adding enough. to the, I'm adding to the show. So <laughs> I, had, I had lunch with, uh, with Robert Rodriguez yesterday, and I was telling him about this day that, uh, that, that Dreyfus was there, because Robert is probably as big a Jaws fan as I am. Wow. Right, right. So, uh, so I was telling him, and I said, listen, it would have been one of those situations that if I would go see this movie and would have seen... Richard Dreyfus in the movie basically portraying, you know, a version of his character from Jaws, and I hadn't nice. been there, I would be so angry. But the <laughs> fact that I was actually lucky enough to be there, I had my video camera in my hand the entire time. So <laughs> I, I was, it, was, it was one of those, you know, I can probably think of about eight moments in my career where I literally wanted to look around and make sure that somebody was standing next to me so that I could... Make sure that I was it was really happening, and most of them are jaws related. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. which is really weird. So did the Dreyfus have a good sense of humor about uh, sending up the whole jaws thing? He he totally did. I mean, that was what was really exciting about it was, Mm -hmm. you know, he he literally brought so much to the part because he was like, okay, you know. He was really into what he was going to wear and what he was going to say and how he was going to do stuff. And, nice. you know, I mean, it was really, you know, I think it was really cathartic for him who's, who sort of lived, you know, within the specter of, of this film for so mm-hmm. many, so many years. Right. But it was great. It was now, really. So how big of a departure is this piranha from the Joe Dante original? I'm a big fan of the original. See, uh, so am I. I'm a huge fan of the original. I mean, you know, listen, it's, it's it an updated kind of version. It's an updated version, very much like most of the other, you know, retellings or remakes or you know, how, however you want to. Describe. Okay. Um, but, the, but you know, the, the reality. That's what I want to know. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, basically, okay. it's you know, it's uh, it's girls gone wild. It's girls gone wild in Lake Havasu, with. <laughs> Piranha and blood and boobs and pretty much, I keep no, telling people if I was twenty, if I was twenty years old on the set of this movie, it would have been the greatest film ever made in mankind. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a winning formula, no question. 
Well, and you know what? And that's that's what made it kind of fun. You know, Eli Roth has a cameo in it, and of course, I've worked with Eli on on all of his films. And he literally would look at me one day and was like, "I should never be around this much blood or this many beautiful women ever." Just, uh, <laughs> oh, some guys have all the luck. <laughs> well, you know, listen, especially a guy like Eli, who, you know, I, I I'm really sort of been in the trenches with him from starting out as a director and then you know, being in Berlin on Inglorious Bastards and, like, watching him do every single scene with Brad Pitt and holding his own. Wow. I was really, like, uh, I was, you know, Eli is a guy that really, you know, he has so, he's so much going on and he impresses the heck out of me because he's really, uh, I just think that he's the kind of guy that, that knows that he has a lot of hype to live up to and I, and I think he really does a good job of, of you know, delivering that. What's his next project? Is he directing anytime soon? Is it, I heard uh, he, something about a Stephen he, King movie. Or you know, I I I don't think Cell is his next project. He had mentioned he had mentioned a couple different things to me, but I think everyone's kind of in you know Inglorious Bastards promotional mode right now because uh-huh. I know that there's a there's a premiere in London and then they're going off to Berlin and then the premieres. You know, everyone's kind of jumping all over the place. I mean, I I don't even know what city I'm in half the time. I mean, last, <laughs> last uh, about, you know, September I started in Berlin, so I was back and forth between Germany and, and L.A. until February, and then I did a movie uh, called The Book of Eli with Denzel Washington and Gary Oldman, which we shot in Albuquerque. It was the Hughes brothers that did From Hell and Menace to right. Society. Mm-hmm. Then I came back, and I was here doing Piranha, and then last week I had to go to New York because we had a week of shooting on Sorcerer's Apprentice, and now I'm prepping a John Carpenter movie and starting the, uh, the Ward. The Ward, yeah. yeah I'm so glad Carpenter's coming back. You know, and it's a it's a it's a good story. It's definitely yeah. it's definitely a good script, and it's one of those things that I can read and see John's fingerprints all over it. Oh, great, great. Um, and they're they're casting now. We start shooting in. Uh, Somewhere in Washington State in August fourth. Yeah, good. That's really exciting. Do you have any of the uh, usual suspects in the cast this time around? Or? You know, they're still casting now, but this is kind of more of a girl interrupted kind of supernatural version of that kind of film. So, so is it going to be scary? Oh yeah, it's oh. good actually. You know, I I read I read so much stuff that. Uh, it's kind of, you know, it's hard for me to be objective, you know, and, and it sure. makes me sad at the same time because I, I'm so involved with so many projects and we, we, you know, you pretty much read everything that... Did you guys work on his last picture, The Ghost of Mars? We did. Yeah. And that was, that was in uh, 2000 we shot that right. movie. Right, quite a while, yeah. Yeah. So I thought and you know, I think in that rap, movie... What's that? I thought that movie got a bum rap. And you know what? I agree. I really, I thought I, it was I a really, really funny, funny movie, and it was like the perfect John Carpenter movie. It had all, all his uh, stuff in there, and I never understood. You know why. what? I'm happy to hear you say that because I think so many people were just were didn't really get it, you know. And, they, and no, the thing was, originally not. Courtney Love was supposed to play Natasha Henstridge's part. And Natasha was fantastic in it, I thought. And Jason Statham was supposed to play the Ice Cube part, right? Yes. Yeah. And that was so, Jason. That was Jason's first, like, real kind of Hollywood movie. Because I remember right. loaning him. Like, when we were on set, I kept loaning him all these movies. 
just to get into the sort of like, I gave him Aliens, and he was like, this movie's great. I said, you should watch this movie every night while yeah. you're rehearsing for this movie. Yeah, I never got it why the, the reception to that movie was so so cool. I thought it was just so much fun. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's really you know it's really hard to say. You get a lot of people who, you know, listen. I mean, it was a it was a really hard shoot. I mean, you know, we shot all nights for six weeks. Sure. I mean, those night shoots just you know between that and like Land of the Dead and movies that just you know it sucks the well, life out of you. Another but, one I want to ask you about because I thought that was really fantastic and you know seemed like nobody cared. I didn't get. It. I don't get it. Well, listen. I mean, it 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 boggles my mind for a lot of these different kinds of movies. I mean, The Mist. I think I would put in that category as well, because these are these are all movies that are really you know the directors are passionate. I mean, George Romero. This was his. This was really a great opportunity for him. And then when the Absolutely. movie, we you know you the know, movie cost eighteen million dollars. I mean, sure. eighteen million bucks. That was half of what the Dawn of the Dead remake cost. And you know, and that's the thing. Does it come down to promotion, Greg? Because everybody went and saw the Dawn of the Dead remake, which I personally didn't care for. And then Land of the Dead comes out. It's the real deal. It's George Romero, and I thought it delivered. Any fear you had about him working in a Hollywood studio, it was all put put aside. I thought the movie just worked. I liked the three lead characters. You know, thought Simon Baker was great. Aja Argento and uh, Robert Joy. I liked all three of those characters. And, you know, everybody liked the one of the Dead remake. I, I'm just so baffled well, by the, that. They're very different kinds of movies. I mean, George has George has such a sensibility about the kinds of films that he wants to make. And, you know, there's, all, there's a message behind them. And, mm-hmm. you know, with movies like the Dawn of the Dead remake and, and a lot of, you know, it, it, it's like watching a big video game. And, and truthfully, yeah. you know, if you were to release Carpenter's The Thing or The Exorcist, or uh, what was I? What was I looking at the other night that I was just amazed at what a <laughs> like a slow building sort of thought provoking. Right. I know the Fury. I was watching the Fury. Oh, the I haven't other seen night. it in a long time. Yeah. And and Pretty I remember. Story, I remember. I was showing it ironically enough to my four year old daughter and my seven year old son. <laughs> I was showing them the end of the movie where John Cassavetes blows sure. up. Sure. Yeah. Because I was playing it in slow motion, and I, you know they've been to my <laughs> shop, so they understand. That yeah. Daddy makes rubber monsters and all the blood mm-hmm. snakes, so they're not afraid of anything because they know they've seen all this stuff in the studio. But I was watching that movie. I'm thinking, okay, you have John Cassavetes, Kirk Douglas, Amy Irving, right. and a Brian De Palma espionage thriller about about developing psychokinetic powers in people to turn them into spies and use them for the government. <laughs> I mean, the '70s, early '80s, great. Oh, it it kills me because that movie's two hours long. If that movie came out today, it would there'd be big giant action sequences and yeah. and the whole fun part of the story would would get lost. I mean, it's really it's really hard because you know there I, I, I'm such a I'm such a child of the '70s that when you were yep. mentioning the you were mentioning the Dawn of the Dead remake and mm-hmm. you know the irony was when that movie came out, I was talking to some friends of mine and they said, dude. Go see Shaun of the Dead. That will erase any yep. taste you and have you know, in your mouth. That, that's, and, uh, uh, and ironically, are amazing to me. Well, I, you I know what, what was kind of funny that happened that I did, that was an, sort of an accident was we were shooting Sin City and I had heard about Shaun of the Dead, so I went online and I bought a copy in the UK because the right. movie had come out in the UK before it ever came out in the I States. did the same thing actually. Yep. 
So I, so I start telling everybody that I'm working with. I'm telling Eli and Quentin and Robert and all these guys. I'm like, oh, my God, this movie Shaun of the Dead. So Edgar and Simon come over to Comic-Con uh, in July of that year, and they were kind of like, you realize that you had a bootleg of the movie. <laughs> commercially on DVD. And I was like, I, I said, I had no idea. I didn't, I know, I mean, I, I didn't know. But the funny part about it was they, they sort of credit me as their unofficial American publicist for the movie there because I talked about it so much. <laughs> That's great. They, yeah. they actually invited me to a couple of L.A. screenings. We did zombies at the screening at the art oh, wow. that said wander around the front of the, the theater. That's cool. And then they ended up in uh, Land of the Dead. And they ended up, yeah, because I cast Edgar and Simon's heads, uh, and then we did, I I did kind of a bub homage makeup on Simon. Simon's a huge Howard Sherman bub fan. Nice. Yeah, uh, that's cool. Yeah, very cool. I probably should let you guys ask some questions, though, because I think that this isn't (laughs) supposed to be questions. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, Chris is asking a lot. But, you know, as far as Piranha, did you do any other, besides Dreyfus, were there any other Jaws homages, I mean, that you are putting in there? Oh, uh, yeah, I put a, there's a bunch in there. I mean, I even, I even as much as recreated Chrissy's arm from the, yeah. the scene where he lifts the arm out of the, out of the tub and says, this is what happens. I, I made a, I cast one of the girl's arms in the shop, and I, I replicated that arm exactly. Nice. And if, if there would have been way, you know, I had... If there would have been a way for me to pull a yellow barrel in the background of one of the shots, I probably would have done it. Um, That's awesome. It, it was just, you know what, we, we had a, you know, we had a great time and a, and it was an amazing crew. We were doing, you know, sixty or seventy makeups a day plus gags, and, you know, Alex Aja described it. It's, you know, the Saving Private Ryan D-Day sequence. The only difference wow, is instead wow. of Germans, there were piranha. That's great. And, uh, it was it was insane. The daily well, sounds were like just, something to to look forward to for sure. And oh, you know what? Days. I had a I had a lot of fun. And you know, it's hard. You know, when you get into movies this day and everyone's so serious, and it's like, you know, Alex really, you know, he really had the the absolute one hundred percent right attitude going into it. And and yeah. I think that 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 you know, there's a lot of really fun. You know, Jerry O'Connell's in it, and mm-hmm. Kelly Kelly Brook, who's actually. Um, Jason Statham's ex-girlfriend, who I had met her on Ghost of Mars, speaking of Ghost of Mars, and she said, oh, you met, I remember meeting you in, in uh, Albuquerque, and I was like, oh, my God, it was, you know, like nine years yeah. ago. <laughs> That's fun. So, so we should now, drag me to hell. I was just going to say that. <laughs> uh, well, another, listen, another fun, if, if I do one movie a year that's fun and the rest are, like, not so fun, um, I'm kind. I kind of expect that because the business is just, it's it's really gets harder and harder the longer and longer I'm in it. And then you go you go it. on you go on set with a movie, uh, you know, for a movie like Drag Me to Hell and Sam Raimi, who I didn't realize that we sort of taught each other how to refer to different horror movies right. back from Evil Dead Two days. You know, Sam would be talking about. Ah, oh, it's a heinous horror hag, Brendan. It's a horrible blood flood. Like he has this really specific way of talking and referring to, you know, ah, this seems a big popcorn popper and this and that. You know, he, he just has a really <laughs> very lovable, endearing way of talking about things. Yeah, we loved so, it. I, I just, I, you know, I went and saw him three times. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, he, it was so he, much I'll fun. I'll tell you, he relishes in it. I mean, the first, 
one of the first, you know, they sent me the script, and it didn't have a title page on it. And so I'm reading it, and I'm like, okay, I don't get it. This old lady and this girl are having this big fight in a car. and Which was and, an amazing sequence, by the way. Which, sure was. Which, absolutely. But when you read that not knowing that Sam Raimi's the director, I had no idea who was directing it. So I'm reading it, and I'm like, oh. this is the most obscure thing I've ever read. Okay, so the lady doesn't get a bank loan, and next thing you know, they're trying to kill each other. <laughs> So weird, and I just Which is I, why I loved get it. my fingers around, and I'm thinking, oh my god, I don't, I, I don't know. And then they said they called the next in. They said, okay, so listen, Sam wants to get together with you. And I said, well, Sam who? And they said, well, Sam Raimi's directing this, and him and Ivan wrote it. And I was like, right. Well, of course, him and Ivan wrote it. I mean, it made, <laughs> that, it made sense that yeah. it was basically, you know, you have this this horrible heinous hag and. <laughs> and the young girl who's, you know, possessed, you know, attempted to be possessed by the demons. Yeah, and, man. I mean, nobody does it like Raimi. Uh, so impressive. And, and he really, few, you know, one of the few guys, really, I think, that he wanted to have a good time with it. He really wanted to just, he wanted to have fun with it. And, you know, the scene, like the scene where, where she has the dream within a dream and she wakes up and the rotted ganoush yeah. vomits yeah. in her mouth. Oh, oh. great! <laughs> now the funniest thing is when you know every meeting you ever have with Sam, he can't even get through describing one of the scenes because he's laughing at how ridiculous it is. <laughs> well, and then he'll literally say, "Who?" Thirteen rating. Well, you know, listen, the uh, the DVD. I, the, I I don't know. I I don't, I don't I don't think really that that has that much to do with it. But just listening to Sam, sort of like. He'll start reading through, you know, you'll have script read-throughs and everybody will be sitting on the table and he'll just start laughing at something just like, this is the most ridiculous. He at one point will look up and say, who wrote this? It's so out there. <laughs> but in That's the original great. draft of the script, she leans over top of her and, and puts her face right over and then they cut. And I kind of said to Sam, we should have her vomit worms and stuff oh. into her face. And they oh, go, is that you? Thanks a lot. That was, that was kind so of, gross. That was kind of my idea. So we made like, it. We made a dummy head of Lorna, and we tested it at the shop. And what we did was we cooked uh, different types of pasta in color with food color, uh, water with food coloring in it, so that it would dye. Right, so we had different right. colored earthworms and flatworms, and we oh. mixed like coffee grounds and all this stuff in there. So literally, the the first test we did, Lindsay, who was who's uh, one of the people that works at K and B. We literally had the dummy head two inches from her face and literally doused her with all this fake mud and worms. And we, we, made a, we made a DVD of it and sent it to Sam, and he called and said, you should be arrested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then what does he do to the lead in that movie? It seemed like he was jamming stuff in her mouth through the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, the irony of, of that whole scenario is he's the most protect- – he's the sweetest – most most unassuming and overprotective. Like he's really he was always very protective of Allison. Every single day he'd come up to her, talk to her about how this gag's gonna work. And I said, Yeah, she knows and you know, the blood spray and all this stuff. He said, I just wanna make sure that you that you guys know that you know, that she knows what's gonna happen. And I'm thinking, Well, that's really sweet that you know, he's he's protective of his actress. And then it's like, Ready, and okay, dump the worms in her mouth and so as soon as the camera's on, I I, I felt and she, what a trooper. I mean, you know, she was basically stepping into Bruce Campbell's tour. Yeah. Yeah. And what well, happened? Was he supposed to be in it at any point? Because and, and, uh, that one character looks like it was supposed to be written for Campbell. 
Well, you know, I asked, that was one of the first questions I had asked Sam, and I think that he really wanted Bruce in there somewhere, but Bruce was doing burn notice, and, right. you know, he kind of just said, ah, I'm not sure, friend. I, you know, I'd love to have him in all my pictures, but I'm not really quite sure where where to put him, you know, and, uh, and it, well, it you was... you know what? The movie worked. I, if you, next time you see Sam, tell him that he restored at least uh, two guys' faith in the uh, Modern movies with that. Picture. Well, listen, he. I think he restored a lot of people's faith because the movie was tremendously well reviewed. Well, yeah, again, That's very well. Oh, yeah, very well. Dead. It was very well reviewed. It came out in the middle, uh, almost. Uh, no, because it came out the end of May. I was going to say almost the same week as Land of the Dead came out. But you know, you sandwich a film like that in between two big Hollywood blockbusters. Well, I and, never understand why they don't put these things out at Halloween. You know. Well, like, I, well, here's know. here's one of the reasons. One of the reasons that, I, that, from what I've learned, is that studios sometimes think that in Halloween they only have like a two week window. Yeah. You, you re- release it like the second week of October. By Halloween, all the horror movies are out of the theater, and then it's all about Christmas stuff. Yeah. Sure, I guess that's true. But, but yeah, then yeah. again, if you release a movie in the summertime and you sandwich it between you know, uh, Transformers and Public Enemies or something, right. like you're, you know, you're equally as doomed. And I guess the movie The Strangers that came out last summer right. did, did tremendous business. So everyone's, like, now trying to cash in on this, well, you know, The Strangers well. came out and made a ton of money. And it's like, oh, oh wow. Yeah. So now we have Halloween starts August. And My Bloody Valentine starts, uh, you know, September I, I, I instead know. of February. It's so bizarre to me. <laughs> I don't get it. No, who 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 understands? I mean, when they when they released Scream, it came out Christmas Eve. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. true. Yeah. So you you really you really can't tell. It's it's really about just trying to find the right market. I mean, listen, you know, Ho- Howard Berger, my partner and I, that run K and B. You know, we've been this has been a great summer for us. I mean, between Public Enemies, Transformers. You know, we got Inglorious Bastards and Final Destination and Surrogates coming out, and you so know, basically everything that's coming out. You guys have done. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't, I don't. I'm surprised that I'm. You know, that I'm still walking with with uh, how crazy uh, how crazy things get. But you know, it's uh, it's it's been. You know, we we celebrated our our 20. We've been in the business for 21 years. Kane B's been around. Wow. Our first movie was wow. a little horror movie in 1988 called Intruder. It was directed by Scott Spiegel, who co-wrote Evil sure. Dead 2 and had Sam had Raimi film, and yeah. Danny yeah. Hicks and Ted Raimi and all those guys. Everybody was in it. So. That's right. Yeah. Well, congratulations on 21 years. You guys have yeah. come a long way. Who would have ever thought? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so uh, put the head on the table on Day of the Dead, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And, you know, I, I'll never forgive Savini because he tore that head apart and used it in a sci-fi movie called Mr. Stitch. Ah, and uh, and I just said, Tom, why why didn't you just I, I you could have you know I would have taken it and kept it for for ever, ever. you know movie film posterity. But by me guilting him, I actually convinced him to give me the original crate from Creepshow. Well, that's yeah. a pretty good crate. That's a pretty that's, good crate. That is a good. It's right sitting right by the door. In my my yeah. office is like nerd heaven. Yeah, Creepshow is <laughs> one of my all time favorites. Yeah, getting, getting back to uh, George Romero real quick. I know you you did you worked on uh, the Diary of the Dead. Did you work yeah. on the, the 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 yet as far as I know untitled new one? I did. I did. I mean, you know, George George has been tremendously tremendously, you know, gracious to me as as I have been listen, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I consider 
Tom Savini and George Romero are the two guys that opened the door for me. I mean, you know, I grew up in Pittsburgh, and sure. my dad, uh, my dad is a physician. So they're like, "Come on, son, you're you're going to be a doctor." And I'm like, "Okay, you know, sure, whatever." Hey. And uh, you know, I I got to be friends with George, and I got to be friends with with Tom, and you know, George was really the guy that that sort of offered me a job after job until I finally took it. And, right. and Day of the Dead was the first job that I actually, you know, worked on the special effects makeup crew. And, of course, he used to say to me, ah, oh, you know, you should have been a doctor. Look what I did to you. And I'm like, George, <laughs> let me tell you, this is a much yeah, more yeah. rewarding career. So with, but, him, uh, with, you know, zombies, with him doing, like, all these zombie movies now, is, is there a certain frustration for him? That uh, you know, you know it's, it's zombie film after zombie film at this point. Uh, he loves. He, listen, he he still feels that he's got stories to tell, and I have to tell you the script for the script for the new one, which I, I yeah, I mean when I read it, it was called Blank of the Dead because right. uh, I think that the, they had, but it was a really it was a really good script, and and again I read it, I thought God, you know. Right when you think you've seen every kind of gag that could ever happen or anything that would, <laughs> that, then George still comes up with, you right. know, a, a, a meaningful story, and, uh, and it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty amazing. Well, that's cool. So, it's still uh, pretty much doesn't have a release set or anything at this point? Last I heard, I, uh, listen, I heard a rumor the other day that they were going to premiere it or try to premiere it at the Toronto Film Festival. Ah. And George, I know George lives in Toronto now, so I know that he really, uh, he sort of embraced that town very much like he embraced uh, Pittsburgh, yeah. Very much like he embraced Pittsburgh. Uh, so have you seen the new one? I have not. I, I actually was just about to start bugging them to uh, to yeah. see if I could see some of it. I mean, I have pictures of the zombie makeups and stuff because I was uh-huh. sort of a consultant. Because we were shooting in Glorious Bastards at the same time, so I was in... Mm-hmm. You know, I was in Berlin and and sort of, you know, working with the makeup crew that he had hired out of Toronto. So is it is it a direct sequel to the the last one, or is it an all new piece? It started it started as a direct sequel to Diary of the Dead, and then I think that there was one character that they were going to keep, and uh-huh. then I think that they just decided to sort of take it in a different direction. Okay. Yeah. But the script is listen. The script was really was really good, and and I I really liked it a lot. Great. But uh, I haven't talked to I haven't talked to George since uh, since February or so. So I'm not quite uh, I'm not quite sure. Okay. Now how about Rodriguez? What's he What's he up to? Well, I just saw him yesterday, and he's you know they're he just they just are submitting a version of Predator to Fox. To get a green light to do a remake of that. I mean, he had. You guys, you're going to get to do the Predator. We are. That's uh, Yeah. Well, and you know, again, ironically, I worked on the first Predator. They did about two weeks of reshoots in Los Angeles. Uh, I want to say in 1986 or seven, right? Six. Well, here, here, I'll have to back up for a minute. So, I got into the business. I worked on Day of the Dead. Then I moved to New York. And Los Angeles. But before I came to L.A., I worked um, on Raw Deal in North in Wilmington, North Carolina, which was Schwarzenegger's big movie right after Commando. That's where mm-hmm. so Predator, Predator was right? his next Predator was his next big movie. 
So I remember, and at that time, the script was called Hunter, and I was standing on set and ended up striking up a brief conversation, and I said, oh, so I, you know, I understand you're going to do Hunter next. And he looked at me like, this like 20-year-old kid is talking about his next movie. Like, how did you know all this? You know, how did I know? <laughs> well, it's a, you know, it's a big special effects monster movie. So when we, they did reshoots, I didn't work on the original shoot, but I got hired by Stan Winston's guys to go on set for a couple weeks of pickups and inserts here in Los Angeles. So I have all these photos of of me on set with the Predator, you know, like the whole gag where he tears the guy's spine out in the tree. It was like stuff that uh-huh. I made and everything. So I was like, Neat. you know, I thought, ah, oh, I get to, you know, have <laughs> kind of fun. I haven't read the script for the new one yet, but uh-huh. I just remember that, you know, Robert had told me that even before we did Dust Till Dawn, we had done, uh, he had written a treatment as kind of like a spec, and I guess somebody at Fox kind of pulled it out of the drawer and went, hey, this was a really great treatment. We should make this, and, you know, in true Hollywood fashion. Are you going to try to uh, get a Schwarzenegger cameo in it, or what's the deal? Uh, I have no I heard idea. The original, the original treatment did feature his character. I have no. You know what? You probably you probably know more than I do. I haven't read the you know the original treatment. I know that they're uh, that they're working on screenplay and stuff. But listen, you know, I mean, who? Ever, this business is so is so crazy. One minute you think you know what's happening, and you know there there was. I just spent a week last week in New York shooting uh, some stuff for Sorcerer's Apprentice, and. Um, they said, oh, well, did you read the script? And I said, well, I read a script back in November or December. And they went, oh, yeah, that was like 20 drafts ago. That whole thing was like <laughs> different and all changed. I mean, you know, when you, when you work in the movie business, they send you colored pages, and you're supposed to take the old page out of your script and put the new colored pages in. Mm-hmm. Now, that's great when you're, when you're there on location because you can just remove individual pages. But when they send you an email of the script – that doesn't work. <laughs> it's really difficult to take one page out of an email. So it becomes really like that much more difficult to sort of stay on top of script pages and script changes. You have to sort of go through and reread the whole script again. So after, you know, fortunately with a guy like Quentin Tarantino, he doesn't do a lot of revisions because his scripts are 170 pages long. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, God, how am I going to get through reading this 30 times? You know, but, right. Then again, so, fortunately, Quentin's a great writer, so reading his stuff is, is not that hard. Huh? <laughs> no, it's not that hard. <laughs> what I mean, there's there's Romero's, Ramey. What other directors do you like? And Tarantino, do you like drop everything when they come and say we want you to work on our film? Oh, that's you know, I mean, I, I I've been I've been really lucky. I mean, you know, with Quentin and Robert. Really, I, I I would I pretty much drop everything and and go do movies with those guys. You know, I mean, we've been doing the Masters of Horror. That we were doing the TV series, but the irony of part of the reason why we got hired in the TV series is because we had worked with every single one of those directors. We had worked with John Landis and right. Joe Dante and Stuart Gordon and John Carpenter and all of them. So it was kind of like old home week. You know, Don Coscarelli or Jeffrey Combs <laughs> would be doing. Or, or I'm sorry, or Stuart Gordon would be doing something, and they would just call us and go, "Okay, Greg, so you know, Howard, this is the, the gag in this show is this," and you know, we would just kind of start building it. So, all those guys are really, you know, they're all they're all great guys, and you know, it's like not only did I grow up being, you know, admirers and 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 huge fans of theirs, but you know, the fact that now all of a sudden I can, you know, I can 
I get to work with them and continue to work with them. I mean, John Landis, who who I, I, I think is one of the most brilliant and talented guys I've ever met, he just has so he has so much to give to the industry and you know, you have a meeting, John's the kind of guy, you have a meeting with him, and you really only need about 15 minutes, and you spend, you end up spending like two hours, because he has so many great stories, and so much to talk about, you know, he's like, oh, you know, when they were shooting Jaws, you know, the, you ever heard the story about when the shark sank to the bottom in Nantucket Sound, I'm like, yeah, I, of course, everyone knows that story, he's like, oh yeah, I was there, <laughs> and it's like, John was like, John was like that, you know, the guy who was literally like, he's like Forrest Gump. He was like the guy that was there for every one of these amazing, <laughs> these amazing things that have happened in Hollywood. And uh, he's getting ready to, he's over in London prepping a movie right now. And um, and he was like, hey, man, I, I think I'm going to get Simon Pegg in this movie. It'll be great. Can you, you know, I know he's busy shooting a movie and his wife's pregnant. You know, can you put in a good word for me? I'm like. John, well, you're, you're John Pegg's not a huge fan of American Werewolf or anything. <laughs> of course, I mean, Simon's as big of a nerd as I am, which is kind of hard to imagine. But that's kind of how it, that's kind of how he and I met. Because when I met him at Comic Con, he was like, "Oh my God, you were in Day of the Dead." I'm like, "You were in Shaun of the Dead." <laughs> but you know, the funniest thing was we. Uh, <laughs> I, I was in I was in London for the for the UK premiere Land of the Dead and and this uh, Fearnet or there was some company that had wanted to do an interview with Simon and I so we sat down next, and if I could ever find this I would be so happy but we sat next to each other and it was a you know free association like they gave us ten questions and we had to both say the first thing that came to our minds and every single answer was identical to the point when we got to number 10 and we both said it, we jumped up and hugged each other like, yay! You know, <laughs> just uh, uh, total, total geekdom. Great. Yeah, well, I think we're actually out of time, so... Uh, <laughs> but, well, I mean, we could talk for about these movies all night. I mean, you've worked on almost everything that we love. I, I you know, I don't, can't think of a movie that uh, you've done that isn't one of our favorites. Uh, there's on and on and on. But Jaws, you know what I wanted to say real quick? Did you talk to Dante at all about remaking Piranha? I, I did. As a matter of fact, Joe, Joe and I were supposed to be in a scene together. Oh, uh, that would have been uh, fantastic. Yeah. Because they wanted, uh, and I think we're still going to shoot it because... Do it, do it. Well, yeah, I, listen, it's, not, it's it. not up to me. It's up to, it's up to <laughs> you know. When I they know. were shooting, listen, Piranha was shot, you know, they, they, they did a tremendous job in a very short shooting period. And there was one scene where you're sort of panning across the the marina and there's supposed to be these two kind of crotchety boat captains. And, uh, and Dante, <laughs> Joe Dante was one of them. And I think originally that they had wanted Jim Cameron to do the other cameo. I get it. But, yeah. of course, he's kind of a little busy directing, like, the next movie that's going to take over the world or something. Yeah. <laughs> So they said, well, you know what, Jim, Jim Cameron's not around. Do you want to do it? I went, hell yeah, I'll do it. I get to do a scene <laughs> with Joe Dante. So I memorized all my lines and all my dialogue, and I'm standing on set. And, and as a matter of fact, I have my piece of paper right here with all my little notes. Even me, I get to make notes on my own dialogue, which is ridiculous. But, um, <laughs> and they kind of ran out of time in terms of shooting, so they kept pushing the scene off. And finally, Alex looked at me and he said, Listen, I'll get you and Joe. We'll we'll sneak a video camera down to Marina Del Rey one day, and we'll just shoot your scene. <laughs> well, I hope that happens. I would love to see that. 
Well, listen, Joe, Joe, the first thing Joe said to me is, are you making a bunch of little piranha puppets that you're going to shoot at eight frames a second and rip flesh away? And I said, of course. He went, good. You'll, you'll shoot the hell out of those. And I went, oh, <laughs> oh that's fantastic. Yeah, we had uh, Joe Dante on our show. Well, it, was, it was probably over to, when was that? How many months ago? I don't know. Not that long ago. Well, when um, he first started production of The Hole, I guess it was. Yeah, right, that's when so he was, was on. Before, yeah, it was before his 3D movie. Yeah, and uh, yeah, just boy, he can talk film. I mean, he's just amazing with his knowledge of film. I know. He, one of my, I'll tell one you, of my he, favorites. He really is, and you know, all these guys. You talk to Frank Darabont or John Carpenter or Joe Dante. You know, they're they're all they're all big movie collect. You know, they collect movie posters, and they're you know they they have such passion. I mean, Quentin takes it to a whole other level because literally, he he could tell you like what year the director of photography's wife was cheating on him in, you know, from like 1972 to 1977. He'd be like, okay, your wife was... I mean, I don't know, but but Joe is so knowledgeable, and he even said to me, he's like, God, there's a guy who has a warehouse of like a thousand movie trailers, and, and I, he's going to throw them all out. What am I going to do? And I'm like, well, Joe, tell him to call me. He can ship them to K&B, and I'll stick them in the back of the shop. And it, I, it was just... It was just the fact that I'm sitting there talking to a guy like Joe Dante who, who listen, I mean, the howling, you know, just the howling alone and sure. Inner, right. Space, Inner Space, which is actually one of my favorite Joe Dante Me movies. Too. I think it's a hysterical movie. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely well, one of my you know, favorite movies. I love the Burbs. It doesn't get any love. The Burbs. Burbs, yeah. Yeah, I only saw the Burbs once, so I may not jump on the Burbs uh, bandwagon right, just yet. Oh. However, you know. Oh, but anyway, really so funny. listen, guys, it was it was really a pleasure uh, for me to not let you guys talk for the last half an hour. <laughs> People want to hear you, not us. But, you know, thanks so much for calling in and talking with us. And anytime you want to give us a call, if you've got something exciting to tell us, we'd love to have you. Absolutely. And, you know, and you guys, you know, call me anytime. Maybe we'll do, maybe we'll do like a, a Halloween show or something. Oh, that would be great. That would be awesome. Okay. All right. Perfect. Fantastic. All right, Greg. Thanks so much, everybody. Greg. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Take care. Bye. All right. Is Andrew still here? I'm still here. No, that was really well. That was a lot of fun, man. It just went really, really smooth. Well, you know, a true gentleman, one of the few in the industry, and uh, a great guy. And his enthusiasm for what he does is just infectious. Fantastic. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to go watch Ghost of Mars or what I'm going to do. I don't know what I was going to watch either. I was thinking, before I started the show, I was thinking about watching Land of the Dead, and I might just stick yeah. with that plan. Yeah, that's, um, plan. that's a good plan. But then, you know what I don't have? I can't figure out why I don't have it every time I keep saying I have to have it. But I would, if I had it right now, you should drive it over. But if I had it, I would watch yeah, yeah, Creepshow. Yeah, I'll be right over. What is it? Cre- Creepshow. Well, that's just sad that you don't have that. I, know, I don't know why I don't well, have it. No, I'll tell you why. Because I think I know why. did a really shitty version yes. of DVD. That's why. And every time you always say, no, no, there's something else that you got to get or But you know whatever. what? They're re- actually, they are re-releasing it, uh, I think, in October on DVD. And right. again, again, they're doing a bare-bones version. I have a, oh. a British. They did it in the U.K. last year, which I have, the U.K. version. They did a special edition. They have a documentary. It's pretty decent, but uh, they're cheaping out in America. Thanks, Warner Brothers. <laughs> But that was fantastic. We got to do a Halloween show with Greg Nicotero. That'll be hilarious. That'd be that'd be neat. Yeah, we have to come up with some kind of really neat uh, Halloween show format. Yeah, we'll do that. 
maybe we'll do it in if I can never get that um Halloween party going, we could do it in congestion of that week, do the Halloween show and then do our party around here. Well, so something to think about. All right. Well, did you enjoy yourself, Andrea, or did you, like, fall asleep? I think she's busy with her exercises. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I got stuff to do over here. No, I I, I didn't even need to say anything. Do I need to add to that? No, you guys had it covered. So let the man speak. He's the expert after all. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I had questions of most of everything he talked about. Like, you know what I mean? And he's like, oh, I know we got questions, but not really. I mean... It went along so smoothly that he said everything we wanted to get yeah, out. Yeah, covered, covered everything. It was good. It was yeah, I mean, stuff. covered everything and more. So, yeah, very fun. And um, that's it. But thanks again. Thanks, Dr. Eric Fiesville, for sticking around because you helped a lot a lot. You have so much more inside knowledge when it comes to uh, what he's worked on. Well, thanks. So I that was very good. I've been, I've been uh, pacing around the pool the entire interview. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, so, so I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah. Now you can jump in the pool. Jump okay. in the pool. Yeah, well, you know, after all this talk about sharks and piranha, maybe not. Maybe <laughs> I don't want to tempt, uh, tempt fate here. Uh, I would love to see Dante and Greg in this scene. That scene uh, you know, it's too good to be true to get Dante in a cameo in this thing. I'm really yeah. looking forward to this piranha. I hope they pull it off. It's, it's a tall order to... to out do a Joe Dante movie, but like Nicotero said, uh, you know, blood and boobs and 3D and piranha, and, you know, and we didn't, you know, we should have talked about uh, Elizabeth Shue starring in this thing and how she's a yeah. pumped up uh, sheriff and uh, got man arms and I'm still attracted to her and it makes me really nervous. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> poor Greg doesn't need to have that conversation with you. <laughs> Greg, what, should I? Is it wrong that I'm still attracted to her? Please, set me straight on this. Set me straight on this for the love of God. Oh. All right. Yeah. I think on. I think on that note, I'm out of here. All right. All right. Well, done. thank you all. It was very fun, and uh, I'll see you next week. Yeah, all right. Good night. Out.